Hello, and welcome to Celluloid Citizens. I'm Brian O'Connell. I'm Sean M. Thompson. And today is a very special episode of Celluloid Citizens, because we're going to be discussing uh, The Apple, a film from 1980. It's a dystopian sci-fi musical. Uh, It's written and directed by Menahem Golan. It stars Catherine Mary Stewart, Alan Love, Vladek Shabal, Grace Kennedy, among others. And it's got songs by George Clinton, Kobe Wrecked, and Iris Wrecked. So that's uh, that's the film we're going to be discussing today. Um, uh, I guess not... I wanted to go a little into the backstory on why I chose this movie, or how I even yes. heard about it. Heard I... Yes, yeah. please do. Um, uh, I believe it was... I started watching interviews with Nicholas Winding Refn. He interviews a lot of other filmmakers, so I ended up watching interviews with... Um, other filmmakers and eventually I ended up this thing on my YouTube, uh, Edgar Wright's like 10 less heard about films or something. Uh, and one of them was the, the category was so bad. It's good. And he brought up the apple and he described mm-hmm. it. And I was like, this sounds incredibly bad. I have to see this. Yes. Yes. And then it happened to be on Paramount plus, And then I watched it with my girlfriend and nearly died and so i (laughs) told you to watch it and you watched it and had the same reaction yes yes Uh, i i was in spasms watching this i mean i was like the first number alone i don't know if it was the build-up or you know what i thought it was going to be or whatever but the first number alone i was literally tears were streaming down my face i was like this is awful and it got even worse from there so it yes. did. Um, I guess the best way to think about this is like a disco vomit nightmare. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. It's a. Uh, it's very of its era, which is nineteen eighty. Which is nineteen ninety four. It's as they'll uh, as they'll tell you a number of times across the film. The film is set in nineteen ninety four, not nineteen eighty. Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't know, it's, so, I mean, I feel like they had to be going for, like, something along the lines of, like, the Rocky Horror Picture Show or Phantom of the Paradise, where they had, like, a midnight movie audience in in mind, maybe? Yeah. I mean, I... I can't I can't believe that this was a fully serious artistic effort, you know, but... At the same time, it's, uh, I mean, I feel honestly like an entertainingly bad movie is just as rare, if not rarer than a a genuinely good movie. (laughs) And, uh, this is one of the greats for me, even though I mean, I think the thing is, in order to get a film this bad that it's good, there has to be genuine passion and it's like the room, right? Yes. Tommy Wiseau didn't set out to make the room to be something that people eventually would throw spoons at and make fun of. Right, right. He right, made right. it like with complete earnestness, and it's just it happened to be ridiculous because he's ridiculous. Yes, yeah, and, and there I, is there is a great degree of earnestness here. Um, I mean, 
I think the production background on the Apple is important because I found it really funny. Basically, the songwriter, Kobe Recht, who, you know, he's this Israeli rock producer, basically signed to a major label and had a weird experience with uh the producer i guess the 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 french producer um and basically it inspired him to to make a musical about it which he described as it was supposed to be 1984 but with music right <laughs> so um and which you can't see in the final film, I think. Like, nobody could think this is 1984. No. But a- apparently, when they found a director, um, Menahem Golan, who I haven't seen any of his other stuff, although... I think there's probably a reason for that. <laughs> he uh, apparently was made, like, a lot of B-movies or really bad stuff uh, at the time, but... According to the songwriters, although, you know, you might be dubious, but um, they blame the the film on this director that they said that he rewrote their song lyrics and the story till it was, you know, just something silly and totally divorced from their original artistic intention, which um, I don't know. What do you think, Sean? Do you well, think? Well, first of all. I mean, not to be a shithead about it, but I don't think you could do a 1984 musical. I don't think it would work. No, it's sort of... It would have to be something super experimental and minimalist. I I feel like even if this dude did rewrite your lyrics, like, there's no way he rewrote them so much that the tone drastically shifted like this. Yeah, There had to have been something in the original songs that was pretty silly to begin with. Yeah, I I would agree. I mean, the songs themselves musically are terrible. They're like them. it's like it's <laughs> glorious because it's a it's a musical where the lead actress was so bad at singing she took singing lessons and then they dubbed over her anyway because she was just so bad. Yeah, and that's one really... of the two main performers that have to be able to sing and dance, <laughs> and one of them isn't even singing. Yeah, she basically was a, a performing arts school student, and basically the song the songwriter just picked her because he's like, yes, that's her, even though um, you know, she was auditioning for like an extras or like a dancer role, no, no. and okay. he basically lied to the director and the producers that she was a good singer. Yeah, he singer. was like, she can really sing. And then, then the first day happened, they're like, wow, no. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, and, and just, it, it can't be helped by the fact, as, as we mentioned, that the songs themselves are terrible. My brother, uh, who watched this with me, um, you know, he said it was like every song had been written by charlie on it's always sunny in philadelphia sort of yeah it's and sort of i like really the see actual that. uh nightman musical <laughs> yeah it's um i mean it's so hard i mean so i mean we're gonna go through the movie but like here's my concern like just uh, for a discussion in general i don't want to it's gonna be hard keeping it uh from being like a one note discussion because right because um, it is quite bad it's bad, but the the good thing about the apple, the thing that um, 
that I, I love about the Apple is that most movies are bad and then they sort of peter out and just become dull, right? Like right. Leprechaun 5, Leppin' to Hood is, uh, you know, the opening 10 minutes are hilarious and then the rest of the film is just, it just right. drags. I mean, the, the, it's rare to find a bad movie that sustains its badness. Usually it's yeah. so bad it's entertaining and then just dull. Yeah. Yeah. But this, it has like a new terrible choice in every single scene. It so. reinvents itself as bad every 10 minutes, yes. Every 10 minutes. And, uh, and I, I think guess that's because sh- it reinvents itself and tries these new things that also don't work as well. <laughs> yes. Everything, every conceivable turn you could take is, like, is a listener, wrong turn. Listener, picture a bad song, okay? Like pretty much the gambit. Like... A bad ballad, a bad dance song, <laughs> a, a bad a, version. There's a bad reggae song, which I did not expect there to be a reggae no. song. They cover like everything that was in vogue at the time, I guess, and some things that weren't in vogue. And it's just they like butcher every. But I guess we should talk about it. Yeah. Uh, okay. In terms so we, of the... we start with um with the. It's known as the BIM. It's very obviously trying to do like a Eurovision thing, but in America? Yes. And yeah, it's, it's, how it's do you unclear. Even describe it? I don't know where this is set exactly. Um, it was shot mostly. Where? Sorry? Uh, I just said the city in America. Yeah, the city. Yeah. The future. You know, it's uh, it was shot in West Berlin. And uh, basically, it's it's like. They really don't do much in terms of production design to make this look like 1994. Um, it's Other just sort of costuming, which is a, the also costuming, terrible. Well, yeah. So basically, it's these people clamoring to this Eurovision-style song contest, and uh, the first group, the opening number is um, Pandy and Dandy. These are their the characters' names. <laughs> Uh, singing, I don't know exactly what the title of the song is because it's mainly known by its uh, extremely inane chorus. But it's uh, it's like it's this. They're they're representing the BIM, which BIM, which we never. I don't think they ever say what it stands for. <laughs> no, like I was trying to find out. Um, and people think it stands for Boogaloo International Music. Oh, that's what, probably it. Yeah. But nobody says that in the film. Like it, it isn't um, spelled out. They just no. It's, it's, it's just bim. like a. It's just a sci-fi term thrown out. Like I, I think they just thought, well, it sounds futuristic. Let's go with it. I guess this first this first number is like kind of like a a disco rock sort of a thing. Yeah, uh, but it it ultimately sounds very stupid. Um, so hey hey hey, <laughs> especially Beans on the way. <laughs> yeah, and it's just this inane, uh, extremely inane chorus where they're it's like call and response basically. Hey hey hey. Bim's on the way, <laughs> and it's uh they just repeat that, interspersed with like the most 
basic lyrics you could possibly have. It's a bit Vin confusing just... as well, even logically, because Bim isn't on the way. You are Bim. Yeah. Bim is I... going. <laughs> Vim is here. Uh, and basically, so interestingly, I was reading about the lyrics, um, and I know that uh, the director did rewrite the lyrics, but I don't believe he speaks English, so they were written in Hebrew and then translated to English. So you do get the sense that it, I mean, I'm sure professional translators worked on it or something, but it sort of feels like the lyrics in this movie were like run through Google Translate in a way, like a where bit. it's it. They have this extremely like uh, I don't know, like plastic quality to them. It's hard to explain, but sometimes it just... feels like the order of the words is strange, and then sometimes it feels <laughs> yes. like the whole sentence is odd. Yeah, no, there. I mean, we'll talk about some of them. Uh, I would say. The, uh, the apple has some of the worst the, the title track has some of the most unusual lyrics which is so perplexing it. because if this is the name of your movie <laughs> you'd think you would get someone who's really good at singing yeah and but then no, they get no. this random guy no they're all i think with the exception of the actress who plays pandy they're uh, all terrible at singing yeah they're all terrible um like weird funhouse mirror versions of good singers in a way like you know you could see somebody with that you know like in phantom of the paradise or even rocky horror they aren't professional singers but um for the most part well accepting paul williams and phantom of the paradise but for the most part they're voices have enough like character and uh charm that you don't really mind if they're exactly hitting all of the notes but in this movie it's just it's like it's just it's awful i mean i don't know how many ways there are to say it but they're bad it's 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 not good i mean even saying it's not good it's one of those things you have to hear to realize how not good it is yeah yeah uh but i guess so you know they're singing this song and the entire crowd is singing along and uh you know, we're brought into this behind-the-scenes place where the antagonist of the film, the evil music corporate overlord, um, Mr. Boogalow, is sort of observing the concert, and they're measuring the heart rate of everyone in the audience, so they get up to, like, 150 or something, and it's like, oh, yes the BIM is doing well, you know? It's very, like, I don't know. In some of these scenes, I felt that they were striving for humor to a degree, but I don't know. It's just the acting is so strange. I think It is that... really bizarre acting. One one thing, obviously we'll get into it as we keep going, but one of the things I think that makes this movie so entertaining is that there is a religious uh, side to yes. it. Yes. Well, very much so. They, they pretty much portray anybody that hangs out with mr boogaloo as wearing a lot of glitter being very sexual or being gay and it's seen as like the evil side yeah so uh, you you were telling me about this there's this uh what there's this essay where uh oh yeah there was a a critic and yeah richard harland smith described the apple basically as a uh like a Christian 
like cautionary tale or or scare film and even went so far as to liken it to Mein Kampf. I think by... that might be a little <laughs> over the top, but it's yeah. it's a little over the top in terms of I mean, I don't think so, but uh certainly basically we we also go into this next number where the protagonists of the film start singing uh BB and Alfie um who are this sort of like very soft, you know, Christian heterosexual couple. And the film is basically linking them with sort of purity and truth and, uh, you know, idealism. And then uh, the sort of corrupt capitalist, you know, environment of the music industry is linked with, you know, sexual deviance, gay people, all of these. It's actually more explicit than I thought it was going to be about this thing. It's things. very explicit about it. I mean, the, I guess the shame about it is like, uh, well, I mean, it's also just bad, but uh, <laughs> I, I guess the shame of it is like somewhere in there, if you divorce it from the Christianity stuff, I sort of understand like, yeah, like, you know, record producers probably are sort of tyrannical and terrible and right right there, right there probably is something to that right but when you throw in the christian element <laughs> it, yeah it gets a little too uh, ham-fisted yeah well it's not just the christian element in terms of the just the the satire in this movie is so on the nose but also like weirdly clumsy like the thing is you know I see what they were going for, like an indictment of the corrupt materialism of the music industry and, you know, all of those things, right? But like, and corporate dominance, but they do it and like, I mean, like, characters will say things with just like, you know, it sounds good on paper, but it doesn't really make sense as satirical. And like later, a character tells Bibi, um... First you sell the music, then you make the music. That's marketing. And if you think about that... Which is fine, except no, because you do actually... (laughs) Even if it's, like, corporatized and written by a team, you still need actual music. No, but the thing is, is also, like, it just sort of sounds like something uh, the, the writer thought of, like, oh, that's really insightful, right? But if you think about it, it... not even in terms of just being unrealistic, it doesn't really click as like a comment on marketing or the music industry. No, it doesn't really hold up. It's terrible. Um, And it's also confusing because the whole like, oh, boo, they're like a folk singer couple and we don't like that. And it's like, there used to be love songs, but it's like, Mm, I don't know, man. I think you guys could have marketed that. Just put them in shitty outfits. Right, right, right. I mean, so like, you know, I wanted to talk about that scene where they're uh, in the booth a bit because it introduces one of the only actual professional actors in this movie, which is uh, Vladek Shabal. (laughs) 
um, as Mr. Boogalow. And I don't know. I feel like he's... The thing that's so unusual about him especially is that he does feel like he's committed 100% to the performance of this character in the same way that, I don't know, other actors in the film uh, might not be. (laughs) I don't know. Right. Like, because I think he was in, like, a Bond movie and, like, various other, like, more high-profile films than this. He does have a presence to him that... I mean, his assistant also has a lot of presence to him, but... Not a great presence. But... Not, it's it's a presence. <laughs> it's a presence, but yeah, no, he does bring a certain uh, energy. I mean, he does. It doesn't work ultimately because yeah, no, I mean, ultimately it doesn't work at all. But yeah, um, but anyway, I guess we'll. I mean, we could go through the scenes, but there's not too much to talk about in terms. Yeah, of... the scenes themselves are sort of just there to lead to the next song which to be fair that's you know that is a musical yeah it's uh well i mean it's it's very interstitial just like you get a sense okay mr boogalow has rigged this eurovision contest so that the bim band will win and uh you know alfie and uh bb (laughs) the names are i mean they, they lose and he fucks it up for them and you know, you get a sense of how he's a totalitarian corporate, uh, you know, sort of overlord where he, you know, the the um, journalists are interviewing him after the contest. And one guy says, well, isn't this competition rigged? And he says, I'm going to get you fired. You know, you're going to be uh, kicked out of your workplace. So just a bunch of just, you know, expository scenes where you're getting a sense of how powerful Mr. Boogalow is and how superficial the culture is and not not too much to talk about, I think, unless there was something, you know, you noticed. Or... Uh, no, I mean, bad. It's know, bad, that, bad. That is the main <laughs> takeaway is like, you know, not good. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I, again, then... the, most of this movie is, I see what you were going for, but you did not execute it successfully right but the th- the other thing is is it i mean it's clearly a movie with like a decent budget well that like, is i think not... the funniest part is like part of what makes it so glorious is that they have these huge set pieces and musical numbers and yeah. you know tons of extras background dancers and like the choreography okay not <laughs> to not be entirely negative the choreography, you know, while ridiculous, I mean, it's fairly impressive. Yeah, it's, well, so the choreographer was, uh, he actually ultimately did work on, like, American Idol and everything. And, uh, you know, he is, it's clearly the work of a professional choreographer in terms of that it's well coordinated and everybody's, you know, uh, arranged well um but and impressive you know impressive but it's it just is, really but, uh, bad taste dancing like it's not yeah it's not it's like it's it's like really tacky like showgirl type dancing you know not and it when it goes into we'll get to this when we get to it but shall we say uh more interpretive 
uh, portions of the Oh my god, yes. Um, It just, it veers into, like, the totally ridiculous. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, I find it funny because the the choreographer described working uh on the apple as quote really really depressing <laughs> <laughs> and that's a constant throughout most of the film in that i mean yeah, some of the backstory in this film like i don't remember ex- like stuff like one time the editor was on, or one of the editors was on set watching the director work and at one point he went your shots out of focus yeah so the director punched him in the face and fired him yeah it's it's i mean and then like you hear about the producers basically sort of experiencing increasing dread about the results of the film like i mean yeah there's this great thing uh oh wrecked the songwriter he was basically he was in London working on the mixing, but Golan, the director, was like dying for him to come to set, right? So he kept calling him, calling him, calling him. And then Recht was like, okay, fine, I'll go. Let me just, you know, let me just get on a plane. And he goes to Berlin. And basically, he arrived at Berlin when they were shooting a sequence that was ultimately cut from the film. Um, it was a sequence set in paradise, <laughs> like, so, you know. Oh, right. Yeah, I read about this, this. This is the sort of sequence that might have explained the ending of this film, which again. Mr. Tops, yeah, We'll yes. talk about that. It might have explained it to a greater degree. But basically, Wrecked landed on set and this part you know, it costs like a million dollars alone to make. Like it was, <laughs> it was super expensive. And uh, this is a direct quote from Recht. He said, he was shooting this part that never ended up on the screen because it was terrible. It was terrible. <laughs> I mean, yeah. There was like 15 dinosaurs on the set. I couldn't believe my <laughs> eyes. <laughs> and it's like, I want to see that scene so badly because I feel like if there's anything that Apple needs, it's dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. It's massive dinosaurs. And basically, like, you know, there was like a a a tiger that escaped from the set during the scene. Oh, God. And it involved, like, <laughs> you know, Mr. Boogaloo dancing with Mr. Tops and then falling into a river. Like, I honestly think you'd probably have to wait till the director passed away but i could see a really a really genius film about the making of this film yeah. like a f- slight maybe slightly fictionalized but like yeah sort of a ripped from the actual set type of film like much in the way um what's the room movie the disaster called? The artist the disaster artist yeah in that vein yeah i mean it's it's there's a lot here in terms of backstory and material and everything even after the film was released you told me about this one basically you know he he premiered it at this festival and basically he thought the director really did think this was his ticket into american movie making like you know yeah like he legitimately thought like Okay, this is like my Rocky Horror. This is like my. It's gonna open this up. This is my opportunities for him, and like. Right, I'm gonna become a big star in the American film 
yeah, industry. Basically, it premiered um, at the Montreal Film Festival, and attendees were given vinyl records of the music as a gift, right? Yeah. Um, and it was basically, it was so loathed throughout the film that critics were literally throwing the records at the screen um, while it was on. And uh, Golan, the director, was so, uh, you know, in such dismay over this experience that he quite literally considered killing himself by jumping off of the hotel balcony. And that's heavy. I mean, that's really heavy. And obviously but he. Yeah, I mean, it's super duper heavy (laughs) and not something to joke about. However, I mean, in the context of the apple, the apple of the apple. I mean, if he had killed himself, I don't think we'd no, be joking we wouldn't about be. It, it would not be very funny. I mean, at least not as much. No. <laughs> I mean, um, but yeah, I mean, just the just the, just picturing someone who had made this movie in complete earnestness, being so distraught that people hated it that he was going to kill himself. It just adds adds something to the the legend of the apple. You know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, he said that at the time, like. Uh, quote, it's impossible that I'm so wrong about it. I cannot be that wrong about the movie. They just don't understand what I was trying to do. And it's really... It's like, it sounds like somebody having an... I mean, he probably was having a nervous breakdown. Possibly. But like, that's literally like, it's the type of stuff that like someone who... I don't know, someone who kills their wife in a fugue state would say... <laughs> I mean, you can't, I mean, the thing is, I I feel that I do understand what Golan was trying to do, which is... No, it's like, guy, we all understand what you're trying to do. You just didn't do it. <laughs> I mean, it is, I do think... Or actually, you know what, to be fair, I think he did do it. It's just terrible. It's like, he's trying to... I do think he was striving for a cult hit, and basically he was... You know, to be fair, this was made in 1980 and people are still talking it's about true. it. It's true. It's true. Although... And I could, I really could see this having midnight screenings. I would love to see, like, I, you know, I watched it on... So it's like not the way he wanted it to, but it is having a life. It is. It's it's having a life. Um, You know, it's still pretty I obscure. I mean, granted, every, all the discourses about how terrible it is, but... I don't know. I mean, I feel like there are some people that earnestly like this movie as like a camp object which i don't know how i feel about that but yeah I don't know yeah it, you know i feel like i go back and forth right because movies that are so bad it's good like at what point does your enjoyment of the film literally just become like admiration for the film even if it's bad and like there is something very offensive about the apple's existence in a way that might need to come before it's uh because it is sort of a slap in the face to the audience to make a movie that is this um you know i know like like and... my favorite thing i that emily said was why would you make a musical that's anti-gay yeah i mean i don't know <laughs> like are you honestly thinking in any like like here's our target audience primarily let's just spit in their face yeah. <laughs> and it's um it's also like, you know, just the 
the overall lack of quality, even if they were striving for something else. The thing is, like, you can see moments where they're reaching for humor, like intentional humor, you know? Um, I think the BIM hour is the most obvious example of it. But And, you know, some of it works on I me, do think so. And we'll get to it when we get to it. But, like, you know, there are people operating on someone that stop to dance and, like, firemen... <laughs> Working on an active house fire that stopped to <laughs> and dance. It is, it's, it's, int- it's, it's extremely funny images, and I believe intentionally so. I don't think they were... Com- I think it's one of the few intentional humorous things that works. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to... Well, works in quotes. It's hard to, to you know... <laughs> it's hard to estimate how much was intentional and unintentional, because um, clearly... There is a semi-serious intent, but it's also hard to believe that all of these things were meant to be played straight, which I don't I don't think they were. I mean, it's just... I don't think but, so. But, I mean, we should yeah, probably yeah, get yeah. back into the... So, it's a fairly simple plot. You know, BB and... What's the other Healthy. Who? Alfie? BB and Alfie. Who do you think is who... the worst actor? I just want to ask. I, think I agree, because BV is close and has the worst songs, certainly. But um, Alfie's, like, his, like, face is, like, always exactly the same in every scene. He's always, like, straining. Like, and especially once he gets, spoiler alert, once he gets high later in the film, he just goes into just this ridiculous... But we'll, we'll, we'll get to that when we get to that. Uh, they, they go to this party that um yeah basically uh they get booed off stage at the bim well i mean it's again this is sort of confusing because it's like initially they get booed and then i guess people start to like them well they start to like them so oh so they intentionally throw it they sabotage Uh, it with like boogaloo has like a high-pitched sound he throws into the audience so everyone <laughs> downvotes it. And, you know, it is interesting, at least in this regard, it is like an early American Idol. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, you know, Xing. And that is funny the choreographer went on to work on American <laughs> yeah. Idol because it's like... Actually, it's so people, similar. people have suggested that his work here is like preparatory work for American Idol, and he he's I mean, denied that of. many times, but... It's not impossible. As you would. (laughs) I feel like everyone who made this just wants it to be forgotten. But um, yeah, anyway, so they they basically like, even despite the fact that he obviously sabotaged their performance, BB is like, let's go to his party and see if we can sign with him. Um, Because that would be, you know, that would be huge for them because... uh, and the by the way, the vibe between the two of them is so weird. I, know. I mean, when they first started, uh, Emily was like, they're brother that's and sister, what, right? And I'm like, I that's don't what know. we all thought. Um, it was basically we when we were so I actually watched this with a group of friends last night for the just a, it was my second time viewing it, and uh, because it's such a uh, what I okay, again, getting to something positive, what I love about this film is. It's such a film that you immediately finish and go, I need to tell uh, people <laughs> yes. need to know. Yes, yeah. And you want to see, like, is it just me or are other people going to have the same? 
And so far, I think everyone I've shown this to has had the same reaction. <laughs> because it's that, it's that, uh, it's weirdly perfect in that way, and that most of the time on this podcast, we're talking about films that, um, you know, people will take different way opinions from it, or, you know, each person who watches it will have, like, a different insight a different takeaway but this one i think it's pretty universally like this it's is so ridiculous. transparent and it's really beautiful in that way <laughs> i mean it is for a tone piece and granted i don't think they were going for bad <laughs> yeah but as a tone piece it, it never stops being bad. right no it 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 from minute one to the end it's just it's bad. a taut 90 minutes 92 minutes and of badness. Every scene, every scene keeps it coming. I mean, in this next scene, we have this musical number where um, BB meets Dandy, <laughs> who is the uh, the male singer from the BIM um, band, and he basically uh, seduces her. And in the background, you have these, like, horrible, like, sort of, I don't know how to describe it exactly, but, like, people sticking their heads in and out of yeah. windows <laughs> and, like, you know, weirdly, like, static dance motions that's, like, it's trying to keep in time with the beat of the song, but it's, like, they'll literally make a motion and then freeze in some ridiculous pose. And then, you know, that could, I could see why they thought that would work, but it just comes off, especially the way it's shot, because they're often like positioned in the background of the of the frame while the leads are singing. And it's just really. too, it's like the lyrics are just about like, you will be my queen. Like this guy just met yeah. this woman and this woman's already like, oh, wow. Yeah, well, he's trying to oh, seduce but we should, her. This and, is like, very important. He's like, hey, yeah. take this pill to relax. And then all this shit happens. So, you know, yeah, yeah. could be so, using some roofies. Yeah, it's, it's, it's implied. I mean, also, just I want to talk because this song is... Well, I guess you can see it with Bim, but that's more of a chorus number. But the, this song is where it becomes really apparent that... Um, Basically, I feel like for each song, they wrote two verses and then just repeat the same two verses over and over again. And with this song, it's literally just the, uh, he says, you're made for me. It's faded to be like the most basic yeah. know, rhymes that you could think of. And it's, they just repeat that chorus. Like, uh, like most of the song is just those four lines going over and over again. Um, I mean, to terrible, the point where, but... like, near past the halfway point, you know, we get a musical number called I'm Crying, and then we immediately get one called I'm Coming. And they're basically the same. Yeah, uh, they're, it's... they're sort of the same chorus, except, you know, obviously thematically different. Crying, but swept it. Yeah, very different thematic. But I can't wait to talk about I mean, Coming, because what, that... The only thing I've heard That's from the, the actress is, I was sequence. very uncomfortable singing this. And you're like, you think? Yeah, she, uh, 
she did not did not like working on that song uh but yeah that that's the that's the bravura sequence of the apple but we'll, we'll get to it when we get to it um anyway so also at this party there's this imagery of the sticker the oh triangle God, sticker right, because their marketing in. guy comes up with this genius thing the bim sticker that you have to wear on your face or well you have to wear on your body and this is the obvious yeah. like 1984 stuff like the whole i thought it's obviously very like mark of the beast you right know? mark like, of the because beast that's what... i mean you could even see it as like being like the jewish star that they had to wear yeah i think that's yeah, maybe yeah. Reaching, it's very but <laughs> well it is is an israeli uh creative team but it is a uh... yeah i thought of honestly interesting that it's an israeli creative team when it's so overwhelmingly oh my God, did you, like I christian about this did you know that they filmed somewhere that was like I, I i'll have to double check i swear to god they filmed somewhere that was like an ex-concentration camp yes yes they filmed in a gas chamber okay so from world war ii for an israeli team i i, I mean no words <laughs> filming the apple in a in a gas chamber from world war ii is like that's like a desecration really i mean it's just so disrespectful i mean this is so many ways this is a very jewish man that was like where should we film oh yeah this this is fine i see nothing wrong with this uh but uh yeah no i mean we'll we'll talk about that mein kampf analogy later i don't think it holds too I, I much mean, I, I think it's a little extreme see, you know why? it is propaganda i think it yeah um but anyway so uh you know basically bb agrees that they're she's gonna you know meet with boogaloo tomorrow with the two of them alfie and bb and then they'll sign this contract and uh then we go into the like dystopian waiting room and this is one of the silliest sequences to me um it's uh so they're in this waiting room and they're surrounded by like clowns and drag queens like i, I guess they're supposed to be mr boogaloo's clients but um then we get this uh you know the song starts you know the song is gonna start. there's actually fairly little time between songs in this movie in terms of like it's it's just one after the other but um you get this opening panning shot of the dancers going along to this sort of like uh like piano line i guess and uh, it's a really funny shot because it sort of pans over this guy doing like the trumpet like you know all these brass instruments and then it stops and then mr boogaloo just sort of swivels into the camera <laughs> yeah, like directly right. in close up like he you know the camera stops and then he just steps in and he's looking straight into the camera which they do a lot in this movie there's a lot of direct eye contact in this film i mean the, the uh, weird thing maybe not that weird is it almost plays like a satire of musicals i know they weren't trying for that i don't think but there are moments where i'm like is this supposed to be like ironically a musical yeah it's uh i don't know but it isn't i i know it isn't it isn't it started out it's 1984 with music sean that's what the goal is um so so basically this is the funny one of the funniest because uh they have like 
this chorus and then like the verses, but the two melodies are like totally unrelated to each other. Like a puppet on the string, like a monkey on the swing. Men is clinging to the ropes of the fantasies and hopes we are dangling. Mr. Boogalo! He's so eager to believe, and so easily deceived. Like a baby watching magic, he's so gullible, it's tragic in the words of naive. Life is nothing but show business in 1994. We fight for the spotlight. And then the chorus is... Oh, yeah, it's very life. It's nothing but show business in 19... And you're like, you should have rewritten that, it's, I think. First off, this is the peak 1994 references that you get in the movie. Um, but the, the the words are sort of crammed into the melody. Like, it's a... What is it? Life is nothing but show business, show business in 1994. It doesn't really fit right? into the rhyme scheme. <laughs> it does yeah melodically it does not really it's a fit. little but that's the title of the song sean it's show business <laughs> it just makes it so much better though <laughs> and it, i think that might partially be a, a translation uh byproduct and that it's just like squeezed in and this like life is nothing but show business like they go <laughs> It's great. It's great. It's one of my. It's it's one of my. Uh, it's 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 a terrible song, but it's one of my favorite sequences in the film. I mean, because it's like they cut. They're, they're like in this office building and panning around, and there's people tap dancing on desks, and there's people sort of like singing and the while people they're on typing, the phone and sort of like doing the phone like pick up and hang up in rhythm, like phone yeah, dancing. It's terrible. Yeah. Um, but then we go, this is, we're moving into a great sequence. So um, Alfie and Bibi go to Mr. Boogaloo's offices and all of his employees have like orc teeth, which, I, you know, like, you know, there's these sort of ominous, uh, uh, you know. It, it doesn't, it's not so much like hitting you over the head as it takes like a big old <laughs> sledgehammer made out of clown balloons um, and does but it. subtlety isn't necessarily the problem in terms of like most musicals are no, unsubtle no i mean it's a music you know rocky horror no. isn't fucking subtle. i mean and and most musicals aren't subtle but it's uh i don't know it's just a weird gauche detail because they have like these uh they're very fake looking like vampire teeth almost that they, it's, it's it's weird but um basically there's some back and forth and you know you know, Mr. Boogaloo's corrupt and sinister, and Alfie doesn't want to sign the contract, but Bibi does want to sign the contract, and, you know, they, they go back and forth, and then Alfie has a sudden vision, right? And in this sequence, they heavily imply that he has some sort of, like, psychic or prophetic power. Basically that he has a direct line Which never God. comes back. In terms of, well, I mean, it comes back <laughs> it sort of at the does very at the end, end but, but it's not something. But but then that's also like, 
Every oh, we'll get to it. <laughs> but uh, he has visions of the whole office shaking and crumbling, and then we just jump right into this uh very like blunt let's say blunt allegorical fantasy um sequence where he is adam and she's eve and mr boogalow is satan and he's this very faustian musical number that's obviously supposed to be taking place yeah it's in hell and uh you know it's like you know mr boogalow says bring me my special hors d'oeuvre and then this guy the guy who plays his assistant who I can't believe this, but later in the film, we learned that the assistant's name is Shake, right? And in this sequence, he's yes. dressed as a snake. So I'm wondering, did they name him Shake because it it sounds like snake? Was that the Shake the snake? Uh, yeah, I don't... I wouldn't put it beyond them. Magic Apple! Mystery Apple, take a little ride. Let me be your guide through the Apple Paradise. Juju Apple, Voodoo Apple, take a little bite. Spend a splendid night in our garden of delight. It's a natural, natural, natural desire. Meet an actual, actual, actual vampire. Let the apple set your soul on fire, fire, fire. You'll be hypnotized and you'll be demonized, but you'll be paralyzed, so you'll be victimized. You're fascinated, captivated, losing your mind. When we cast the apple eye on you, holy apple, sacred apple, take a little chance, get into a trance, and join me in the apple dance. But uh, he's dressed as the snake in the Garden of Eden in the sequence. And his performance is so, I mean, I guess it's maybe intentionally theatrical, but he's like screaming, like, bring the special order. Like, you know. And it's this giant <laughs> plastic apple. It's like the greatest fake apple I've it's ever not, seen. It's not, a, it's not just like an apple that, you know, it's like, it's a huge like balloon sized apple that... Yeah, it's like the size of someone's head. You hold it with two hands and uh, basically Dandy is tempting BB and this is the title sequence of the film. This might be my favorite song just in terms of how consistently terrible it is it's it's one of the worst songs in the film and that is that's really saying something and some of the lyrics so basically the rhyme scheme and the you know the lyrical patterns are basically something apple <laughs> something apple something apple take a bite take a, take bite, a bite of the apple something crazy apple, apple. <laughs> like, so it's like <laughs> some then, of the lines are like voodoo and then apple, it's like juju goes, apple and then at one point I shit you not, it's just apple, yes. apple. Yes, apple, apple. <laughs> and it's like... And in, in the background are these people in these terrible, like, prosthetic, you know, like, fake teeth and fake monster masks. Yeah, it's really... People are fake getting hung to death and... 
At one point, the lyric is, meet an actual, yes. actual, actual vampire. Yeah, that's, and, so, that's what I was going to say. And the say. vampire pops on screen. It's so, <laughs> I mean, the, the okay, it's, it's worth paying attention to that couplet because he says, it's a natural, natural, natural desire, right? Right, Which yes. that could tie into the anti-homosexual themes of the film. And right. then they choose to rhyme that with meet an actual 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 vampire which, which doesn't it doesn't equate <laughs> it doesn't come back either i mean it's not like they introduced vampires in this film i literally feel that they wanted something that rhymed with desire that's it yeah vampire that's what they thought <laughs> that's what they thought of and uh there's like these like it it's so bizarre like it cuts between and yeah and then it's like it's something like you'll be hypnotized and you'll oh, that's be that part is the worst mystified. song <laughs> it's just up and down in terms of scale um and it cuts between these like very elaborate wide shots of choreography which doesn't change it's not like you know you would expect hell like maybe it would be more like orgiastic or like uh you know, like, like just different, but no, it's no, the same like Broadway. The same way they do in the rest of the film, and it cuts between the shots of that sort of like tacky, uh, like rocket style um, choreography, and then just shots of like people in shitty dog masks, like bobbing yeah. their heads, like like nodding back and forth. It's <laughs> true. It's really, I mean, it's really it's spectacular. And, and this guy, by the way, as should be obvious by now, listener cannot sing no like i think what they were going for was sort of like a meatloaf type yeah of like thing. a sort of harder rough around the like edges sort of a more driving kind of more rocking more aggressive and masculine sort of song that you know like something like meatloaf would sing but they did not pull it off no. <laughs> also he's wearing like a thong <laughs> everyone is in like thongs all the main characters i should say yeah it's very uh and at one point he's just walking across the screen and he turns to reveal that he's wearing a thong because before this we didn't get to actually know yeah it's very uh it's 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 really over the top um but basically she eats the apple and alfie does not because you know you take a bite take a bite take a bite who could resist being serenaded by such sweet seduction who could resist the apple? I know I wouldn't. Who could resist that big, obviously plastic apple? And uh, <laughs> so, you know, Alfie just storms out and we go back to the um, real world, quote unquote, 1994 now. And uh, BB signs it. And then Pan. I mean, life is nothing but show business. Life is nothing but show business. <laughs> um, and, you know, BB is like. Uh, she storms after Alfie, but then Pandy and Dandy are, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the fucking names. Of this movie. Um, they're like, "Oh, calm down. It's gonna be all right. You don't need him." And then we cut to, I think, one of the worst songs in the film, um, which is Mister Boogalow's only solo song. Well, not solo. <laughs> Um, but it's a reggae number. Is this how to be a master? Yes. 
Why am I the darling of the Bimelit? Why does everyone fall at my feet? Could it be because I'm so sincerely sweet? Yes, I know how to be a master. Ooh, Cultivate the need. Corrupt them by the greed. Ooh, Slaves are guaranteed. When you know how to be a master. He knows how to be a master. And okay, so it's inexplicably reggae, uh, which is fine. Okay, I have nothing wrong with reggae. I mean, yeah, it's, it's just reggae. that any genre they choose, they butcher. <laughs> okay, but here's the problem. And why would that be Mr. Boogaloo's? I feel like someone <laughs> must have noticed this. It's this white guy who's got a black assistant singing about what it <laughs> takes to be a master. Yeah, there is a very racial undercurrent to It's this sort of song. like, did no one go, I mean, did the black actor not go, um, not to not to get in the way, but this this very obviously seems like he's a slave. And maybe well, that was intentional. I feel like blackness in this, much like in the same way that homosexuality is linked with the antagonist, um, blackness, like you don't see, you know, we eventually get to a sort of utopian place later and you don't see too many black people around there but it's it's yeah there's a weird but uh it has a you know but even strictly from just a song perspective it's like this mr boogaloo like he's sort of talk singing yeah it's great the Uh, opening line like he's trying to do like a reggae (laughs) patois almost the the opening line of this is like one of my favorite lines in the apple he just it's like he's talk singing and he's just going like why am i the darling of the bim elite (laughs) (laughs) it's not like he's singing it's just sort of like and then like the chorus is him be like this is how you learn to be a master and then he does it like in response it's like a put on british accent basically and then pandy and dandy are also i think he's trying to do like jamaican yeah kind of and uh i think that's what pandy and dandy are doing and this is also one of the places where i mean obviously we just had a really terrible number by him but um uh, dandy's voice is so bad in the backup vocals like he's just screeching the lines it's really like it's it's awful um and it's sort of like if robert plant from led zeppelin was terrible yeah I mean, just in terms of the look, he looks like somebody from Led Zeppelin. Yeah, sort of, sort His of. His enormous hair. It's it's really it's and he has this like I don't know it's it's very his outfits are all terrible although yeah. all of the costumes are are really bad in this movie but basically they're they're literally and figuratively grooming BB to be the tool of the BIM uh, so that's what's going on here and. I think so when I first saw this I was watching this and I was like that's got to be the worst song but then the next song that is the experience of watching this film you're like (laughs) well they can't possibly do something worse than that and then they do the next song is BB's big rock song and it is so bad I mean I felt like this was a by the way a thesis statement from the director (laughs) yeah 
<laughs> it's sort of funny that he thought this it's was It's basically movie. just like, to be an American, you need speed. And I'm like, are, are you trying to tell us something about why this <laughs> film is so weird? possibly but basically it's so grating it's like a rock number and her voice is really bad even though she's stubbed okay trying to be positive i like that her body type she has muscles like she's got a a cut off shirt it looks like she's got like biceps i'm like all right i mean it's it's also a terrible outfit yeah 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 it's it's androgynous in a way i feel because this is the image that's on the poster and you know it's it's hard to tell if it's a man or a woman in terms of like the way it's lit and the clothing and even the long hair um but any so she's basically um delivering this rock number it's just terrible Um, about like what it takes to be an american you need speed 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 uh, but yeah i mean the the some of the choruses are like okay it's awful that it's tolerable but whenever she goes speed Speed. which is a lot she, (laughs) she just goes it's like a drawn out like Almost guttural sounds, at times. Yeah, it's like, like an animal dying speed. to speed. <laughs> like she's straining her voice, and it's really terrible. And the lyrics are also like weirdly sexual. <laughs> like everybody needs to be pumping higher and higher and hotter and hotter. And like it's like very like it's just it's terrible, terrible and choices. bad. And you know, as is as per usual. The bad people are in glitter and silver and neon. And biker, and biker outfits, outfits in this case. Cruising. Talk about cruising, which came out the same year. That's true. <laughs> it's uh, Imagine, to think that cruising and the Apple coexisted. Um, but it's, uh, but you know, I mean, I want to comment that the cinematography in this movie isn't the worst it could be some of the time. It's tolerable. And in this sequence... It's tolerable, and they have, like, star filter. Like, it felt, you know, somebody remarked this in one of uh, the reviews I read, and I would agree. It sometimes feels like the cinematographer is, like, pulling out tricks out of, like, the cinematographer bag in an effort to conceal how bad the the sequence is. Like, during the opening number, you get a lot of shots through, like underneath the drums or like with these iridescent filters i just laugh picturing just the cinematographer sort of... like oh man this is so bad what can i possibly and then having to work around the director who was clearly a madman who would not take advice <laughs> yes. i mean he punched the uh... editor for saying something was out of focus and fired him <laughs> so if you're the cinematographer yeah. i can't imagine it'd be nicer to you so he's probably like yeah we'll do that and then just does the complete opposite yeah yeah, it's, it's you know, it's ridiculous. There are out-of-focus shots in this film, by the way. But um, but anyway, anyway, so this is where the film sort of slows down a bit. Not that it gets, you know, meditative or a dark song-esque in its pacing, but um, it does sort of, like, quiet. This um, is when we, apparently, okay. this is when we inexplicably are introduced 
to Alfie's incredibly Jewish mother. Or landlady. Or landlady? It's never quite. It's she very unclear. Either. Um, I this mean, is like the, it's so I mean, str- this man, <laughs> I don't want to make any sweeping statements right now, but he does not strike me as very Jewish. Alfie? Yes. <laughs> no. Well, he's, I, that's why I interpreted it as his landlady, because like, she's asking him to pay him and she seems so different. But at the same time, she like, feeds like him their relationship. Yeah, it's very well. So it actually starts off like apparently we just jump ahead in time because she's walking on the street. This character that we've never met with her groceries, and a cop. All of a sudden, I don't know how this progression is meant to have happened, but he says, "Oh, you're not wearing your bim mark. I might have to arrest you." <laughs> and, and she says, "Oh, I'm sorry." And he says, "Like you can get one here the, or whatever at the post um, office." Which, is it meant to be, like, a brainwashing thing? That's what I got from it. I don't... Or, like... I don't even know. I would like to add, I don't know where I've seen this woman, but I have seen this actress in other things. She is the other... So, she's one of the other more well-known actresses. She actually um, is, like, a well-known character actor. Um, I know her... I mean, she's been in many other things, but... I know her mostly from Scorsese's The Age of Innocence, which she's great in. Um, it's Miriam Margoyles okay, right. who, uh, yeah, she's been she's been around for a while and done a lot of good movies and a lot of uh, a lot of apples. I mean, look, so, if you're uh, if you're trying to be an actor and like, I feel like the majority of actors they have to take what they can get. Yeah, I mean, especially early in the career. But and so anyway, so she's playing again. Very strange that this is an Israeli film. It's either a mother or a landlord or possibly both. And she's playing to me. It felt like like a Gentile writing a Jewish person in a way. Like it's like all of the cliches and like she says Meshuga and like you know like it's like oh Alfie, how is your music coming? Yeah, and it's very uh you know just sell that the crap they want and give me a rent and it's like very like theatrical and like you know everything doesn't he grab her boobs that's the thing everybody i showed this again to friends last night it was my second time their first time and by the way that doesn't make you not think it's his mom which is this movie she's like i kind of liked your song you know it was nice and then he just grabs her breasts (laughs) it's like He's just like, yeah, do you like the song? Like, I knew you, you had doing, it in man? you. And it's like, he's like, it's real a grasp. And I mean, like, what is the relationship? <laughs> like, is it maternal? It, what is it? A... Is it like him hitting on an older woman? Either way. I don't think they appreciate you just grabbing their boobs. Landlady or mother. Um, it is not appropriate. It's the even by the standards of the time i feel but anyway let's uh no no i can attest to the fact that in the 80s it was still frowned upon to grab someone by the boobs yeah uh it's yeah it's not good but um then we go into i think what is maybe the most generically competent song in the film where he's just singing where has it gone right like the love yeah. Um it's not as disastrous as the other songs, although I hasten to clarify that 
it's not a compliment to the song. Like it's still really overproduced and poorly written, but it isn't. It's just that compared to the rest of the songs, it's slightly. It's no better. actual, actual, actual vampire. You know, it's not. We're not on that level. Um, so he's. It's not life is doesn't show, show business. Yeah, uh, but uh, so he's just wandering through the streets. And uh, now we have like BIM signs on riot shields, which it's really, it's really ridiculous. That's the thing is like, it feels like two different movies were like somehow poorly combined. Yeah, it's. So you see the 84, you see the 1984 kind of stuff. Yeah. In between the sort of ridiculous, like Faustian rock opera stuff, but none of it seems to gel together. You don't get the sense of how. Um, you know, it starts off what feels like a critique of like capitalism in the music industry, basically, and how it right. And and there's some of that. You know, this scene actually, like, he does sing audition the song, right? And nobody, yeah. they say no, just check out what's on the market, right? And that's true. And how like oftentimes capitalism isn't exerting overt control of like artistic expression but it is ultimately right you know yeah i mean like you know you see it everywhere like i'm a writer i see it in the publishing industry you know what people want and you're encouraged by a lot of people that don't write to be like just write what's out or, or what movies get made you know it's it's implicit censorship of the market basically so that but but yeah, at the based same on time what makes the most at the same time it basically it starts off as that sort of this is such so much credit to be giving the movie but uh an anti-capitalist critique it's no parasite but it's you know that's what it's going for but then that's what it's aiming it for. starts to like in the second half like i feel like the more biblical element overtakes things and you get no sense of progression of how like bim became like the mandated dystopian government of the society. Um, I would say like the first half is like a light weed high. And then very quickly, <clears throat> it's like somebody drugged the punch. Yeah, yeah, climax style, um, which you get in this wonderful scene. Which you literally get, yes. Um, in that uh, we get it's national BIM hour time. And then we get a reprise of that awful song hey hey but we don't even get the benefit of the verses this no it's time. Just, just get hey hey hey, hey. bims on, the, bims way. on <laughs> the way for like 10 fucking minutes yeah it's uh it's very long and i honestly thought this should have gone on for a full hour in real time because that would have uh <laughs> it's just like they're cutting to like surgeons and then they put their stuff down to dance and and the, the victim know, is like stop working on an active fire and like policemen and one point there are nuns and then they randomly do the same dance there's like a there is a bim dance it's sort of like a hands to the right hands to the left it's uh, it's it's honestly i feel this is intentionally funny and it's one of the times where i got the sense that maybe in this case the bad songwriting was on purpose because it's meant to be the most banal, you know, soulless pop music that you could think of, right? right. But it's still incredibly grating and annoying and in a way that I feel I don't think was intentional. Um, but no. it is, it's, it's actually really funny as a, a sequence because you just have this montage of like, 
you know, riot police dancing and swinging their like batons and like the firefighters in front of a burning house. And it's actually very, I actually found this, dare I say, unironically funny in terms of how it was done. Yeah. Um, so well done in that. But don't get used to that because very quickly we're going back. Yeah, into... really bad stuff. 